Well, good morning. It is, uh, it's great to see you this morning. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, the last couple of days uh, has been exciting, right? Uh, some of you have uh, had some friends who have had damage to their places, or some of you have had some damage to your places. We know uh, that there's a lot of people who are going without today in many different ways, so we count ourselves uh, just blessed, really. Uh, to be going through the things we're going through. And uh, we want to offer up just a quick prayer before we dismiss our kids uh, for so many people around this area who are hurting, uh, who've lost loved ones. God, we, uh, we just want to take a moment today recognizing um, that there are people in our community who are hurting today. And we recognize that oftentimes... <laughs> We take a lot of things for granted. Um, there's a lot of things that happen, uh, and and we though the things that we're used to they get stripped away, and uh, they're an inconvenience. But we know today that there are people in our community who are grieving, and so our hearts go out to them. And we ask for ways to serve them well and to love them well, and may your peace and your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness and your faithfulness be present among them today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. My name is Steve Cunningham. I get the, uh, the privilege to be able to, uh, to be the lead pastor here at Wellhouse. So if you're joining us, uh, we don't have online today, by the way. Uh, in fact, it looks like we even lost some light. So there you go. That's all right. But we're, uh, we're glad to, uh, to have you uh, as we've been walking through over the last couple of weeks, not last week, because we had some issues with our, our uh, oh, that was my son. So, oh, kids, yes. My kid is telling me, Dad, it's time to go. If you're a kid, it's time to go. Go to class, that is. Uh, there you go. They're like, hey, doof. That's why they don't ever put me in charge of announcements, because I'm terrible at it. Uh, yes, kids, dismissed. Also, just to let you know, uh, Wellhouse, has, uh, since the very beginning, has, has grabbed a hold of this phrase to be wildly generous. Uh, and so if you're a partner here, we, we don't we can we shift away from the the term member because uh, member is something like if you're a part of a country club you know like you pay your dues and then you get there we whoa there we are and then and then you kind of just kind of sit back and people serve you but we believe that we're partnering with, together to do God's will here and and that's important to us and one of the ways that we partner together is uh, to be wildly generous we believe that God was wildly generous with us we want to be wildly generous with others and so you can give online uh, through our uh, our website you can also give online through the push pay or you can give there's a red box in back and you can give that way as well uh, we encourage you, while you have your phone out, there's a couple of things you can do. The first one is to check in uh, at Wellhouse, and every time somebody checks in with the hashtag, a place for good, we give money to uh, a place called Mi Esperanza, which is uh, my hope in Spanish. Mi Esperanza is an organization in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and they take women off of the streets, teach them skills that will help them and their family survive so, um, so they can live life off of the street. And we've been able uh, to donate to this point over $1,600 towards Mi Esperanza just in the course of a few months. So that's, uh, that's because of you. So absolutely. 
So do that. You can also, while you have your phone out there, you can go onto the Version Bible app. And if you click onto that, I know a lot of you use that, uh, then you can go to the events page and you can actually find all the, the message notes from today. Uh, there's links to some of the things that we're doing there. So you can use that. Uh, if you want to save it, you'll have that uh, for future reference. Otherwise, in about an hour, all that goes away. So you can save it and keep that if you'd like to. Uh, today, we kicked off uh, a new class at Panera Bread. There was, I think there was like 23 people there. Is that right? Something like that. We were crammed in there, but it was awesome. Uh, thank you, Kyle Fleischman, for starting that class. It's on spiritual warfare. Yeah, that's right. Great job. If you missed out uh, this morning, don't worry. Uh, we're going to have it next week. We'll, we'll get some Vaseline and a shoehorn and get you right in that room. Uh, it's not a problem. Not a problem at all. And just to let you know, uh, April 2nd uh, is created, uh, created Sunday, April 2nd created Sunday. And really what that is, is that we acknowledge that there is this amazing creator who creates, right? And he created some of us to create other things. So some of you are creative in ways of writing or drawing or sculpting or carving or painting or sewing or making food, whatever it is, and we want you to put those things on display. What's really cool is on that day, we're going to have a group of students from Gateway Elementary. If you've been with us for a while, you know that's one school that we work with a lot to do a lot of things with. They're going to be coming, and some of their kids are going to be putting on display uh, some of their talents, and I'm really excited about that. They're going to be a part of our service, so looking forward to that. If you have your Bible, open up to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we've already gone through chapter 1 and 2, and now we're on to chapter 3. Uh, if you weren't with us the, the first few weeks, I'll kind of try to catch you up to speed as much as possible. We really started not in Colossians at all. We started in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus has his group of followers, we call them the disciples, the apostles, you've heard them, uh, and, and he asks them a question while he's just with them. The question is, who do people say that I am? And they responded, well, the, some, of, some people think you're a prophet or, you know, you're a great teacher. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And their response was, well, you're the Christ. You're, you're, you're the one who was to come. And so we started this series recognizing that Paul, who is the author of Colossians, as he's writing to a church in Colossae, he's writing to a group of people he's never met before. And in fact, at the time that Paul is writing to this group of uh, uh, people, this gathering of Christ people, he's actually in prison. And so this is the scenario by which he's writing to these people. But he's also writing under the assumption, under the knowledge that he's already answered this question. Who is Jesus really? Not who do I say he is, not who do I hope he is. He has answered in his heart of hearts, who is Jesus really? And out of that answer flows everything else. And we see it there in this letter to a church in Colossae. The first week uh, we talked about the foundation of answering that question as he writes to them. That foundation will shape your prayer life. That foundation will remind you of your identity. And it will give you strength and stability through no matter what you go through. 
last time we were together, not last week, but the week before, we said that that question will, uh, will eventually show up in your life. And what your light, life shows is where your root grows, right? Where your life, the things that, that come up in your life will tell you what you're rooted in, right? So you can say all along, you know, like, listen, this is the kind of person I want to be. You know, I want to be giving. I want to be compassionate. I want to be understanding. But if, if your life shows something else, well, then that's not really where your roots are. We don't have to look very far to understand what we're truly rooted in. And so Paul begins to write them and, and addresses the root of their answer to the question, who is Jesus really? Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I kind of love thinking about things that are much bigger than me. Um, I don't, I don't, always go to those spaces, but I just find it mesmerizing that there is a world that I don't know anything about, and it's so much larger than Steve, right? So every once in a while, I will think about, like, the depth of the ocean, and I'll think about all the things that live there, right? And that's fascinating to me, uh, all the, the creatures that we have yet to really even discover or even taste. I love anything that crawls or climbs out of the briny ocean. I'll eat it. Um, it's just <laughs> so many things we have yet to cook up and fry. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm all on board with trying that out. Uh, but I think about space sometimes, and, and I think, man, it's just... It's amazing, and I don't know if you were aware of this, but in July, this, this past summer, July 11, 2022, uh, NASA released some photographs for the general public to see, and they're the first uh, pictures that we have of, of the, the, the Webb telescope that they call it's the first deep field galaxy cluster. It's called SMACS. I think that's funny. It's an acronym, but I'm going to call it SMACS. It's SMACS0723, uh, and we have a picture of it. There it is. Do you, did any of you see this released this summer? Just me. Okay, cool. This is going to be interesting. Y'all are going to be like, this stinks. What is he talking about? <laughs> this is a picture. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, don't bonk anybody in the noggin, but I want you to hold out your hand as far as you can extend it on your pointer finger, and imagine that there is one, just one, grain of sand on the end of your finger. Some of you aren't doing it. All right, there you go. Now you're doing it. Don't make me call you out. All right, here we go. So it's, uh, it's all the way on the end of your finger. This is the perspective, that grain of sand that's there, of, of what this is in our galaxy. All the space around. This photograph is actually teeming with thousands of galaxies. If you were to count all the little white blobs on there, some bigger, some smaller, some almost microscopic, you would count roughly around 10,000 galaxies in one small picture. About the size of a grain of sand from your, from your finger. It's amazing. And here's what's also amazing is that we live in a galaxy. It's called the Milky Way galaxy. How many of you knew that? 
That's where you live, half of us, good. The other half of you now know it, right? You live in the Milky Way galaxy. It's not on this picture at all. I can't show it to you because it's taken from outside of that. The Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years wide. 100,000 light years wide. Now, for those of you who don't know a whole lot about light years or math, light travels roughly 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast light travels. So if you're going to do the math on that, a light year is just over about 5 trillion miles long. That's pretty far, okay? So our Milky Way galaxy, which is not pictured in that, but there it is, there it is. That's where we live. Do you see you? Um, <laughs> yeah, there you are. I knew you'd have a hard time, so I wanted to point it out. Uh, you're there, by the way. That galaxy is about 100,000 uh, light years long. You're there. This tiny little dot, I couldn't even represent you on the map if I tried to up there. That's how small we are. And, and that is our solar system in our Milky Way galaxy. All right, we have a solar system inside of the Milky Way galaxy, which is 100,000 light years long, right? Uh, and so some of you remember growing up learning the planets of our solar system. We have a sun, right? We have Pluto, and we have all of these different planets. Pluto was, then it wasn't. Now I think it is again. I don't know. I'm not really sure where all we are on that whole debate, right? But we have our own solar system, and our own solar system is roughly about 12 trillion miles long, about two light years, our own solar system, inside of the Milky Way galaxy. For reference, Earth, here we go, there, there's our solar system. Earth, if we were going to represent the size of Earth to the sun, you can't quite do it on the screen, but there you go. And we are roughly 93 million miles away from the sun. I know what you're thinking. I didn't come here for an astrology. I don't really care about any of this. What does this have to do with Colossians? Paul didn't know any of this stuff, so why do I have to know any of it? And there's a reason why I wanted to bring it up. And the reason is this world doesn't revolve around you. You realize how big the world is, and it doesn't revolve around you. See, if I was to try to even just show our galaxy and then try to pinpoint Earth, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't make a spot on the map that you could actually even see, but you are not just in our galaxy. You're in our solar system. You're on a planet called Earth, and in that, you live in a state, in a city, in one person. The problem is, is that for you and I, oftentimes we kind of think that the whole world should revolve around us. It should kind of go with our likes and our wants and our needs and the way that we appreciate and enjoy things. And when it doesn't, it really upsets our apple cart. And what I want to tell you is your life will naturally revolve around something. And for most of us, 
Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12 that there's a gravitational pull to this life. And the gravitational pull to this life is that life revolves around me and what I want. It's why this, it doesn't take very often for me to get upset. I noticed uh, over the past couple of days, I saw somebody. Uh, how many of you are on th things like Hip Goodlettsville or Hip Springfield or Hip you know, Greenbrier, wherever it is you live, Hendersonville? Somebody, I saw somebody post the other day. It was the day that, that the storms came through and blew out power for everybody. And I know that that's really frustrating, annoying. And this person to post on there, if it was you, I'm sorry. I'm just going to call you out. But they said, I've been without power for two hours now, and I really want to watch TV. When's the power coming back on? <laughs> and I thought to myself, isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how little things just annoy us? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we expect, even though we would look at the size of everything here, and we would say, we know the world doesn't revolve around us. We act as though it does. We act as though it does. And your life will naturally revolve around something. You've met people where their life naturally, it may not revolve around them. It revolves around their money. It revolves around their status. It revolves around their family. You've watched as everything spins around that so nothing can touch it at all because our lives will naturally revolve around something. And so Paul, as he starts off here in Colossians chapter 3, warns us that our lives are going to revolve around something. But I want to warn you before we dig into Colossians 3 today that if you expect life to revolve around you, not only will you be disappointed, but others will become damaged. And some of you grew up in homes just like that. Where mom or dad or somebody else in the family, everybody was supposed to revolve around them. And it never seemed to work well. And you got damaged in the process. See, that's what happens when life revolves around you. You ready to dig in today? Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on thing, uh, things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. I'll highlight that. Underline that. Remind yourself of that every morning when you wake up. Now, I don't mean to say, I, am I still living today? Pinch myself. I'm saying wait, when you wake up today uh, in the morning, every morning as you begin to roll out of bed, however long that takes some of us, others longer, that you have died to yourself. Paul says, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, your life is not yours. It's Christ's life. And Christ does not orbit around your desires, your wants, your needs, your interpretation of how you think Scripture should say things. You orbit around Christ. 
for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, because you've died to your own self, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. He keeps going on to say this in in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, rage, anger, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Here, as Paul begins to write to these people, he says, listen, don't forget, you are not the center of the universe. Things don't orbit around you. You orbit around Christ. You, when you said, listen, I follow Christ, I'm going to answer the question of who is Jesus, and I'm going to say he is Lord and Savior, then what you're saying is, I die to me. And so therefore, when you wake up every morning, you say, all right, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about him. And he says, all right, if that's what's happening, then you have to remember to put off the old self and to reflect who Jesus is through you. I don't know about you, but there's a part of Steve's old self that seems to surface quite frequently. Do you find that true about you? It's like like as much as you've wanted to kind of put off a part of your old self, it just kind of hangs around there. And if you're not careful, listen, if you're not careful, you'll just accept it the way it is. You'll just say, well, you know, I guess that's just, uh, we'll even put it off on Paul. I guess this is my thorn in the flesh. I don't think that's what Paul was referencing when he mentioned that. But we just say, all right, that's just a part of who I am. That's part of the way God made me, and that's my struggle in life. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what happens to dead people. In fact, this is what I would say. The reason we often struggle with sin is because we refuse to kill it. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with people who are going through various struggles in their life. I counsel people through pornography addiction, through alcoholism, through adultery and affairs, through issues with pride and anger, and lust. And I could tell you over the course of those times talking with those people, very rarely people say, man, I hate, I hate what it's doing. I hate the way it's destroying me. And I'm saying, all right, are you ready to kill it? Like you don't want it anymore? Well, I mean, a little bit's fine, right? Oh, Paul's really clear. Is it no, 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 no. You died to that. 
Now you ha- if you want it gone, you have to be willing to kill it. For this person's namesake, I, I, won't, t- I won't say that the, who it was, but I have a friend of mine who is also a mentor. And Several years ago, five, six years ago now, he said, you know, throughout Scripture, Jesus has talked about as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and we have this visual representation throughout all of Scripture that this, this perfect Lamb, this Lamb without blemish was killed for me. But I, I didn't grow up farming. I didn't grow up around like... Uh, th- you know, killing animals, and so that thing just seemed so foreign. So I decided that I was going to buy a little lamb. I was going to feed that little lamb with my hand. I was going to name that lamb, and then after the course of a year, I was going to kill that lamb because I needed to know to see an actual representation of what that was. And I was like, man, that sounds a little bit unhealthy, (laughs) scary, but valuable. And he talked about how as the day approached, he felt the weight of sin. Places in his heart that he never fully kind of relinquished to God. And he recognized that something had to die for the things that he was not willing to put to death himself. And here Paul wrestles with us. And he urges us to wrestle with the things that we have yet to put fully to death. And a lot of that is because it's our own will. It's the things that we like. It's the things that we enjoy. It's, it's the things that, that kind of get us up. And, get, and so we, we wind up not submitting to God's will. We wind up submitting to our own will. And here's what I want to urge you in that is that you'll never, ever be able to fully submit to God's will if you're still submitting to your own. You can't do both. You can submit to one will or you can submit to another, but you won't be able to submit to God and your will at the same time. Paul is not done stepping on our toes or the church in Colossae. And he continues on, In verse 12, he says this, Therefore, we've put off all of this. So now what do we do? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Have you ever wondered what people saw when they saw you? Now, don't tell me you've never done this before, but you walked into a place and the person behind the cash register, you know, they had the the perma frown going on and you just thought, wow, grumpy, you know, like you've run into people and you've instantly made some decisions about who they are and what they do. That, That kind of comes naturally to us. Have you ever wondered what people think about what people perceive when they run into you? And Paul says, listen, if you're a follower in Christ, here's what you need to do every day. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's the first thing that people notice about you. I noticed today, and I'm very thankful for this, that all of you wore clothes. 
Good job. That makes my life as a pastor a little bit easier, right? Not to address anything like that. What if that was just the thing that people noticed the most about you? It was the easiest thing to identify. Have you noticed that that's what we do when we go places? Right? If you're pointing somebody out, you'll say, uh, it's the person over there in the red shirt. Because it's an easy identifier. And Paul says, listen, there's some easy identifiers that I want you to clothe yourself in every day. And he says, bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And I don't know about you, but I read through that, and I think, man, that, that's a short couple of sentences, but a really tall order, because some people are super hard to love. Some people are super hard to forgive. Have you noticed that some people are really difficult to be kind to? I don't know why. They just are. Some people, it's like, man, everything with inside of me uh, does not want to be compassionate towards them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it says more about me than it does them. And it's in those moments that I recognize that I have a problem. And maybe the problem is the same for you. Because we want our behavior to shape our identity. We want our behavior to shape our identity. I'm not fully a child of God because I do these things. Paul reminds us in these verses right here that in Christ our identity will shape our behavior. He says, listen, dearly loved children, people of God, your identity will eventually shape your behavior. If you're answering the question, who is Jesus really, with the firm, with the firm answer of, listen, he is both Lord and Savior, then your identity will eventually change your behavior, but it will never happen the other way around. You'll never be able to act right enough to be a child of God. It just won't happen. You'll never act your way into, be, into being saved. It just won't happen. But thanks be to God who calls you his child and who says, trust me. And when you put full confidence in who Jesus is, it will shape who you are. And that's wonderful news for us. See, it's really hard to submit to God's will if our own is still ever present before us. And it's impossible to submit to somebody else's. You don't have to raise your hand because I don't want anybody to get in trouble on the way home. However, have you ever been in a relationship before where you didn't see eye to eye with somebody else's idea of right? Ever been there? <clears throat> but here's the thing. There had to be a decision made. And so what do you do? 
How, how do you make the decision? Somebody eventually, I mean, there's usually kind of this, this stalemate, this kind of standoff to see who's going to eventually win out in the end. And then eventually somebody will submit. And if it's done so begrudgingly, you know what happens after that. Bitterness takes over. Maybe you're the kind of person who, who lashes out passive-aggressively, or maybe you're the kind of person who holds it over the other person's head for a while, or you remind them kindly in your own way. The last time I did it your way, and let's look at how that worked out. So I think this time we're going to do it my way. Ever been there? Don't raise your hand. Paul concludes this chapter in his letter as he reminds them at the beginning, remember, the world doesn't revolve around you. You died to you. Don't forget that. And because you died to you, all the things that you wanted your way and for yourself and all the things that make you happy, you're putting those off and you're replacing that with, what does God want me to do? And how does God want me to live in this life? And when people see me, the first thing they, they don't see is all the ways I want it myself. The thing that they see the most of is kindness and compassion and above everything else, love. You see, Paul ends his thought here in Colossians talking about relationship. Talking about this idea of relationship between spouse with our spouses, talking about relationship between, uh, he calls them slaves and masters, but we might talk about people with authority and power versus those who don't have authority and power. He says, you know how those relationships work? It's when you learn to submit and die to yourself. See, if you're married or you're thinking about being married or one day you hope to be married or maybe if you think I'll never get married again, this is a truth for you. The beginning point for a relationship rooted in love is mutual submission. It's the beginning point for any relationship. Mutual submission. And I will tell you this, that it's the beginning point for a relationship with God when you finally say, all right, listen, God, it's not my will anymore. It's not the way I want it anymore. I'm going to have to choose to kill off pieces of me so that you can live fully inside of me. This is what Paul is getting down to here. And so the question for us is, what do we do next? How do we move on from this space, this space together? And I will urge you to wrestle back through the question for you again. And that is, who is Jesus really for you? Is he Lord and Savior of your life? And if he's not yet, then will you wrestle with that? And if you've said it in word, but you've not done it in deed, if you've said like, all right, listen, I'll say he's Lord and Savior, but I'm not killing off anything, then can we call that a phony? Can we just be honest and say that? And can you really wrestle with the question, what does it mean to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, that he's in total control and you submit to him in everything that you do? May the Lord bless you.
and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to our only God, Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things, through all things, in all things, both now and forever. Amen.